Would you turn please to James and the fifth chapter? James chapter 5. In James 5, on Sunday mornings for the past few weeks, we've been talking on the subject of prayer principles, principles of prayer. And we believe it is an important thing for us always, but at this particular juncture that the Lord is leading us this way, this is key to our next steps of development as a church family. How many believe you ought to know how to pray? And the church ought to pray and excel at prayer. And just in my small experience, I believe that proper prayer is one of the most powerful things that I've seen. Improper prayer, I've observed to be one of the most destructive things. I know of churches that are completely uh, destroyed today because of wrong prayer. I know of others that are very, very strong and vibrant and fruitful because of proper prayer. So it's not just praying to be praying, but knowing how to pray. And praying prayers that the Lord can hear and receive and answer. So let's read our text and continue on today in our study of prayer principles. The Bible said in verse 13 of chapter 5, James 5:13, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. If you're going through a trial or test or difficulty, what's the first thing ought to cross your mind? Uh, see if I can get somebody else to pray for me. No. Let him pray. You get to praying about yourself. Is any merry? Do what? Let him sing psalms. Now he goes on to talk about verse 15, the prayer of faith saving the sick. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Or as the Amplified says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Does it pay to pray? Absolutely. This says it avails much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So believing prayer, proper prayer, affected the earth, changed the very cycles of nature and the very atmosphere and the surface of the planet. And he said, Elijah was a man just like us. Can we pray prayers that change the very earth, affect the cycles, and affect the heavens and the earth? Glory to God. Well, then we ought to be doing it then. Right? If you haven't been with us, we've covered a lot of ground already in the scripture. We've talked about what is prayer. And the simple and summary definition we're using is prayer, real prayer, is communion with God. Communion with God. That word also is translated fellowship. Fellowshipping, communing with God. We talked about how you pray and how you don't pray. Jesus warned us about praying vain repetitions. He warned us about praying just to be heard and seen of other people. We're to pray sincerely. 
We're to pray in faith. He said uh, you're not supposed to ask wavering, but you ask in faith. We're taught to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. We don't pray to angels. We don't pray to saints who have gone on before us. We don't pray to Mary. We don't pray to our ancestors. We pray to the Father. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we pray in faith. And we've been talking about, you know, looking at the ultimate prayer, Jesus. Studying how he prayed, and he taught us to pray in love. And forgive anybody before we continue our prayer. He taught us to pray in faith. He taught us to ask. And we've talked about, most recently, persistent prayer. How that there are times when you press in, and we touched on intercessory prayer also last Sunday. Well, let's go on today uh, talking about prayer principles. And I want to, you know, summarize a little bit and back up and ask a very, very significant question. And it's just simply these two words. Why pray? Why? Why pray? There are millions and millions of people who do not pray. There are many, many, many Christians who don't pray or who barely pray. They don't pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? Many, 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 many Christians don't pray. Why don't they pray? I believe there are two real big reasons why Christians don't pray. And, you know, this first one applies to non-Christians as well. The first reason is basically this. People don't believe it does any good. Now, they might not just come right out and say that. But if you don't pray, you must believe that to some extent. Right? Your actions are revealing that. Because if you really believed that prayer... Uh, was major in your life and made major changes and radical things happen in your life, then you would do it, right? And by very evidence of not doing it reveals that you must not believe that there's much to it. That's why a whole lot of people uh, all around this area are not filling up these seats that are available this morning because they don't think it'd do any good to come. Why go to church? I tried that. I did it for years. Or I did this. That never did me any good. I used to pray. I never saw any results. Why do it? Now people don't like to talk about this. But this is reality. Right. This is where millions are at. They don't pray. Because they don't believe it will do any good. One of the big reasons is in Hebrews 11. Why don't you turn over there real quickly please. Hebrews the 11th chapter reveals why people don't pray. Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 11, why don't you skip right down to verse 6. What does it say? Hebrews 11, 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Well... Not praying would certainly be an evidence of lack of faith. But as he specifies, he said, For he that comes to God must believe that he is. You've got to be persuaded that God exists. And that he is God. 
Elsewise, you won't be walking around in your room talking into the air. To somebody that nobody can see. Right? Why do we come in here and raise up our hands and say, we worship you? Who are we talking to? I'm not talking to you. You're not talking to me. Who are we talking to? And we pray to who? Where's he at? Well, it takes faith. We believe he is. Right? We're convinced that he exists and that he is God. And that he hears us. Amen? And so that's why we talk to him. No need talking to him if he wasn't there. But he is there. And you got to make up your mind. You can't be wondering about this. He's either there or he's not. He's in heaven and he's here. And he's in us. And he's everywhere. Amen? And he knows everything. Not only that, but there are some people, they are persuaded that he is. They're persuaded that he exists. They're persuaded he's the creator, but they're not persuaded of this next part. What's the next part say? You must believe that he is, and you must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You must believe that he's a good God, and that if you reach out, He reaches back. If you ask, he answers. You must believe that he cares about you. You must believe that he loves you. A lot of people don't pray because they don't believe these two things. They're not fully persuaded that God exists. And if you live a life of sin and you go away from God and you never feed on the things of God, then God gets less and less real to you. The flesh gets more and more real to you. You starve your spirit and you yield to your flesh. Then you're going to be more and more aware of how you feel and what you want. And your selfishness and self-interest and satisfying the desires of your flesh. And millions and millions are consumed in this. This is their whole life is trying to satisfy me and make me happy. And that will make you miserable. Did you hear me? The harder you push that, the more miserable you will become. Oh, but friend, the more you feed your spirit, the more you feed on the word of God, the more you draw near to him in prayer and worship, the more real he becomes. Why? Because these actions are evidencing that you believe in him. And that you believe that he is. And that you believe he's good. Well the more you believe in him. The more he has to work with in you. And the more he has to respond to. What the Bible say. Draw near to him. Not the other way around. You don't say well God you draw near to me. And show me something. And then I'll come to you. He already showed you something. He gave you your next breath. He already showed you something. He sent Jesus to pay for your sins. Amen. He's already shown us something. Now, we're not waiting on him. It's up to us. We draw near to him. We show we believe in him. We express our heart and faith in him. And he responds by revealing himself to us. So that's why the result is there are those to whom God is much, much more real than he is to other people. 
There are people that walk with him every day and he's just as real to them as any human person they know and even more so. And there's other people who are wondering if there even is a God. I'm so glad I'm not in the latter bunch. He's real to me. He's more real to me now than he was several years ago. Amen. Is he real to you? He's real. Oh, thank God. Said out loud, I believe that he is. And I believe he's good. Amen. Well, if you believe in him and you believe he hears you and you believe he cares, then you're going to talk to him. Right? You're going to pray. That's the first reason we talked about. The second major reason why people don't pray is because they don't feel they really need it. They don't see the real necessity of it. Well, I, uh, you know, I believe in God, yeah, but, you know, I don't spend a lot of time praying. Why? Why wouldn't they spend a lot of time praying? Well, they must not feel the necessity of it. It's not necessary. This is evidence of major pride. That is, that I can handle what's going on in my life with what I know and what I can do. Jesus did not believe this, and he did not practice this, right? Uh, Go with me to John 15, please. This is not too simple for you, is it? Do you realize that millions of Christians do not pray? We'd be kidding ourselves to stand up in here today and think that everybody in this church just did a lot of praying. Reality is that a lot of folk do good to make it to church on Sunday. They think. But that's not the life we should be living. We should come up to a higher place. Amen. Many do not pray because they're not persuaded that God exists or they're not persuaded if they prayed that it would do any good. And many of them seem to have evidence in their life that back that up. They prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing happened. So why keep doing it? But they didn't pray according to the word. They didn't pray in faith. Right? Bible says you have not because you ask not, but you got to ask in faith. They didn't give the Lord what he could work with. But the second thing is, you know, people don't pray because they don't see the necessity of it. Well, you know, I'm doing okay. I mean, why would I want to do so much praying? Well, look in John 15. 5. 15.5 of John. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides, lives, stays in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Is that true? Jesus said that about himself. We're going to read that in just a few minutes. He said that about himself, that he, without the Father's direction, without the Father's ability in him, he could do nothing. And he tells us that us, without him, we can do nothing. Now, he's talking about nothing good, no good fruit. Now, you can fail without him. You can mess up without him. You can have disasters without him. 
But you can't succeed and bear good fruit without him. He said uh, in verse 7, if you abide in me. Now that means live, dwell. What is the definition of prayer? Communion with God. Fellowshipping with God. That's what he's saying right here. Abide. What does that mean? You stay with me. We commune. We fellowship on a daily, regular basis. You live with me. You don't just come talk to me for three minutes on Sunday. We live together. Right? Every day. Every night. All day long. All night long. You abide in me. You stay in me, I stay in you. If you do that, what will happen? If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done to you. How many believe this is a fact? Jesus said it. It has to be so. What do you mean? Whatever I ask, it happens. Whatever I pray comes to pass, then it would be worth praying. Right? But now back up, back up. Why does this work? Because I live with him. Right? And I live on every word that came out of his mouth. Right? He and I fellowship constantly. Well, that means you're going to be praying constantly. Doesn't mean you got to be kneeling on the side of your bed with your hands folded. You're aware of him. Right? You think about him. You talk to him. He talks to you. You live in this. Can you say amen? amen? This is prayer. And when you live like this, You get to the place where you know his will from his word. Your faith is fed with his word. You know his presence. You know his spirit. And whatever you ask happens. Somebody say glory to God. God. Does that excite you at all? Is this true? Now Jesus said it. If you abide in me. and My words abide in you. You shall ask whatever you will. And it shall be done to you. Glory to God. You wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I ask you to do this. And it happens. Lord, would you do this for these people? And it happens. Lord, we're asking you for this. And it happens. Then would it pay to pray? Would you tend to pray more? Yeah. Yes, yes. Now go with me please to the book of Mark and I want to remind you of something in the life of Jesus. You got a few more minutes to stay with me this morning? In the book of Mark and the uh, first chapter, we're asking and answering the question this morning, why pray? Mark chapter 1. In Mark 1, skip down to verse uh, 35. Mark 1.35. It says, And in the morning, 
Mark 135. Rising up a great while before day, he, Jesus, went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Did Jesus pray? He was a prayer. Did he do it as a lifestyle? Or just once every month or once a week? What do you think? Now, I'm not going to read all the verses, but you ought to sometime uh, take your concordance and see how many times Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it said he prayed. And you'll begin to see it was his lifestyle. And he did a lot of it. Well, if anybody would be in such a situation that they didn't really need to pray or have to pray that much, should have been him. Right? It wasn't really that necessary for him to spend that much time talking to the Father. It would have been him who never committed sin. Him who was the Word manifest in the flesh. But Jesus felt the necessity of spending large amounts of time praying. If he needed to pray, you need to pray. If he needed to pray a lot, you and I need to pray at least as much. Huh? And of course we're doing that, right? <laughs> well, we wouldn't be talking about it if everybody was, was doing it to the degree that they should. We've already said repeatedly people are not doing it. Right? People in the room are not doing it. Right? Not asking for you to raise your hand, testify, but let's don't play games, right? People, millions and millions of Christians hardly pray at all. They barely pray at all. Why? We've already talked about it. Not fully persuaded of the reality of God. Not fully persuaded of His goodness and faithfulness to hear and answer prayer. And the second thing, not fully persuaded that they really need to pray like that. Why should I? We're answering that question right now. Why should you? Why did he? He'd go early while he was fresh and bright. Got up before daylight. And went where he could be alone and undistracted. You can pray when you're doing other things and when you're busy. But you ought to have times regularly. Where there is nothing else going on. Where you can get quiet. You're not doing five things at once. Well, I'm a great multitasker. Well, there ought to be a lot of times when you do one thing. Only. You give him your full attention. And you get quiet with him. And you do it longer than three minutes. If Jesus found it necessary to do this then certainly it's necessary for us. Right? Yeah. Go please to the book of Luke and let's look at this further. Did Jesus pray? Yes. Right. He's our example to follow, isn't he? Yes. Look in the book of Luke, I believe it's the sixth chapter. Luke chapter six. No, excuse me, uh, chapter three. Back up to chapter three, I skipped that one. 
Luke 3 and verse 21. Luke 3.21 says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and what? Praying while he was being baptized in water, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. He was praying. Everybody say, He was praying. Jesus was opening his heart and he was praying to the Father God while he was being baptized and while his heart was open, praying to heaven, heaven was opened to him and the Spirit came on him. Does that apply to us? Should we open our hearts and commune with him who is in heaven and is in us? And as we open our hearts, is there more than just a one direction flow? Is there reciprocal flow? As our hearts flow into him, like you've heard me say it many times here, as we open our heart to minister to the Lord, our heart is also open for him to minister to us. Can you see that in this passage? Praying, receiving. Giving out and receiving in. Skip over to the 6th chapter now. Luke 6. Luke 6 and verse 12. Luke 6, 12. It came to pass in those days that he, Jesus, went out into a mountain to do what? To pray. And he continued all night in prayer to God. Well, now, if anybody would have been really good at praying, it would have been Jesus. If anybody had been real strong in faith, certainly it's Jesus. If anybody was strong enough in faith and good enough at praying that they could get all their praying done in five or ten minutes, it would have been Jesus. But on this occasion... He stayed there by himself with the Father and prayed and communed with the Father all night long. Was it necessary? That much? That long? Must have been. If it's necessary for him, why would it be less necessary for us? Why can we get by on five minutes all the time? Or just agreeing with the congregation when they pray when we come together on Sunday. We'll pray for a few minutes and that would be enough for us for the week. Huh? <laughs> People are looking at me like, I don't know if I like this message, Brother Keith. <laughs> I'm not a politician. I don't do things based on popularity. And this applies to me just exactly like it applies to you. Right? And there's no condemnation. We're not pointing fingers and we're not saying shame on you, shame on you. Certainly not. No, no. If you missed it in the past, you didn't do what you should have done, the Lord will forgive us. Right? But here's the issue. This is the answer why some things haven't happened. Or why we haven't known some things. Now look at the result of this. 
What happened the next morning? He stayed there all night long. Communing with the Father. He wasn't praying vain repetitions. He wasn't going over and over and over and over and over and over saying the same thing for all night long. What was he doing? It'd be like me and you having a conversation that went into the wee hours of the morning and lasted all night. We just kept talking about things. We just kept talking and kept talking. You talked and I talked and I talked and you talked. And we talked and conversed and shared thoughts and shared vision and shared things that were important to us and communion. And the next morning, what does it say happened? And when it was day... He called to him his disciples. He had a bunch of them. I mean, thousands of people were following him around. And he chose 12, whom also he named apostles, and it gives their names. Simon, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon, Judas, and Judas Iscariot. Is this significant? Why these 12? Why not somebody else? He had a lot of people were traveling with him. He had a lot of people that counted themselves his disciple. A lot of people. Why pick these 12? How many understand? If you're reading, you know, like all good faith life church people do, you were reading in Revelation not too long ago, and you saw that the names of these apostles are engraved in the foundation work of the new city heaven. New Jerusalem, I mean. These individuals rule over the 12 tribes throughout eternity. Well, you wouldn't want the wrong man in there. (laughs) Right? My. How did he know to do that? How did he know which 12 to pick? Now see, a lot of people try to say, well, he's the son of God. He's omniscient. He knew wrong. He was the son of God. He is the son of God. But the Bible teaches that he emptied himself and laid aside his mighty weight and glory as God and became like other men. He operated as a man, just like you and I would operate by the help of the Holy Spirit. Elsewise, why would you need to wait on the Lord all night to learn things like this? He'd just know. How many times Christians have made mistakes, made wrong alliances, picked the wrong people for their job, hired the wrong people, let the wrong people go. Why? Just doing things based off of their thinking, based off of what they could see or deduce, did not find it necessary to get alone with God and get quiet long enough to hear from Him. I said not praying is evidence of big pride and ignorance. I can do it. I can do this. I know who to pick. Oh, do you now? I know who to hire. I know who to put in these positions. That's why we've told you, you know, we prayed here on Wednesday nights about praying for us and praying for the leadership. You know, where everybody fits. It's one of the big things that leaders are responsible to do is to hear from the Lord. Who fits here and who fits there? I believe an active, vibrant, living and growing church 
you're not supposed to see how few people can be involved. Everybody's supposed to be busy doing things, right? But you don't just haphazardly put people in places and do things. We must hear from the Lord. When are we going to hear from him? We can hear from him any time, but there ought to be significant times where we're waiting on him and we're looking to him and we're saying, Lord, show us, where does this fit? You know, you might not even start praying about that, but after spending some time with the Lord, he brings it up to you. And he says, now this is what I want you to do. I'm not talking about you hearing voices, but you know inside you, he becomes so real to you in spirit that you know what he's telling you. You know his decision. May differ from yours substantially. You see people's outside. He sees people's insides. Amen. You might make a decision based on this or that. He knows the whole story. Don't you remember uh, Samuel? When the Lord sent him to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king. You remember that? And they brought out the eldest boy, and he was the biggest and the tallest and fine looking. He said, surely this is the one. Surely the Lord's anointed is standing in front of me. And the Lord said, no, it's not him. And he looked at the next one, and he looked at the next one, and he looked at the next one. And he went through all the boys, and he said, no, the Lord said, no, this is not him. Not him. Not him. He said, you got any more boys? Yeah, we got one teenager out in the field with the sheep. He said, we can't sit down until he comes. And he came, ruddy. Teenager, he said, this is him. Well, he wouldn't have picked him. It was David. The Lord knows. And we won't know unless we spend time with the Lord. We'll do things off the top of our head. We'll do things after the seeing of our eye and the hearing of our ear, after logic, after reasoning, after experience, good or bad. And we'll make wrong decisions and miss it if we don't wait on him. Jesus found it necessary to pray, and to pray extensively, sometimes all night long. If it was necessary for him to pray like this, how about us? Should we pray? Should we commune with God long enough to get your body quiet, long enough to get your head quiet? And that can take some doing sometimes. You ever found that out? I mean, you might kneel down and get quiet, but I mean, your mind can be doing this. I mean, you're thinking about the bills and the kids and what happened here and what's going on over there. And, and you got to stay with the Lord till you get that quiet. The Bible said, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes that's why it's necessary to spend some extra time because uh, not that it takes God a long time to talk to you. But it can take you some time to get quiet where you can hear. But then besides that, you don't tell him how to answer you. He's God. Right? You don't pop down and go, come on, snap, snap, Lord, I need to hear this now. I've got stuff to do. Yeah, and who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> I mean, People might not say that, but they act that way. We live... In a cell phone, email, microwave, drive through window world. Huh? And you got to watch it because people try to apply that to the Lord. You know, I told I used to teach healing school at the Hagen ministry. And I told them, I thought we'd get more results if we had a drive through window. I mean, more people, I should say, not results, but more people come through because people are so busy. You know, they want to just drive through, roll down the window, put your hand on me. 
You know, say, run, die, shun, die, be healed, drive on by. But it, it doesn't work that way. You can't rush the Lord. I said, you can't rush the Lord. You can't tell the Lord, hurry up, hurry up. He's going to tell you, sit down. You come into the throne room, Lord, you know, I got stuff to do. Could you please give me an answer and help me? Because I got to go. He'll say, yeah, I know. Come on. Come here. And but Lord, see you. Come here. Come here. Sit down. Right here. Sit down. Hey, but Lord, I want to hear about this. And you didn't tell me about this. And I need to be healed. And I got to have some wisdom and, and money too. Money. Yeah, lots of money. Uh, <laughs> I got to go. I got to really, really. I got to go. <laughs> He'll say, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. But you and I got to talk. What are you going to do about this thing I've been talking to you about for 10 years? When are you going to do that? Did you hear me now? See, this is prayer. Not chanting mantras. Not counting beads. Not spinning wheels. Not ritual. Not religion. Reality. Fellowship. Communion. Amen? Read on over to Luke 9. Luke 9 and verse 18. And it came to pass, 9.18, as he, Jesus, was alone praying. Everybody say alone. Alone. Praying. Praying. See, now, can people say that about you frequently? Can they? If somebody said, where's so-and-so? Where's he at? Anybody ever hear this? He's alone praying. Huh? Do they say that about you? That's way too quiet, man. That's so quiet. Do people ever come across and say, where's so-and-so? And they say, he or she is alone praying. What if they are? What does that mean? Realize who they're talking to and show respect. Same with you. Vice versa. This hasn't been as real to most folk as it should be. But there should be regular times. If somebody's looking for you, then somebody else will have to tell them they're alone praying. Right? And it said while he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. And he asked them saying, whom say the people that I am? And so they talked about him being the Christ. Skip down to verse 28. It came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and they went up into a mountain to do what? Seemed like they're doing a lot of this. Do you get the same impression? That this is something they did a lot. They obviously found it necessary and vital. How about you? How about me? Is it just as necessary for us? Yeah. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistering. And there talked with him two men, Moses and Elijah. They appeared in glory and they spoke to his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Now let's just stop right here. This is amazing. This is a spectacular spiritual experience. It happened while he was praying. 
Well, this is the Son of God. This is the Master. If there had been anybody who hadn't required this, it would have been him. But he's there praying. As he prayed, changes came over him. How many believe as we pray, changes can come over us? We can change. And as he prayed, revelation came to him. Complete direction about what was about to happen in his life. The mock trial, the scourging, the crucifixion. That revelation came to him. He did not go into that blindly. He knew full well what was going to happen every step of the way. How prophecy was going to be fulfilled. When did he get it? While he was praying. Did you get this? That's how we'll know when we come into a situation. We're changed in times in his presence. And then we get revelation. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to show us things to come. We'll begin to see things. We won't know the whole story, but we'll begin to get glimpses of things and be prepared for what's coming up. What if everybody lived that way? I mean, these are not preacher verses. These child of God passages. Bible passages that belong to every believer. Can you live like this? Can you be in the know instead of in the dark? You've heard me say it before on Wednesday nights. Prayers get previews. They do. Prayers get previews. And I think, you know, I want to teach this. The Lord dealt with me this past week. This phrase... I haven't really begun to, maybe we're starting on it today. But he said, teach the church that you have a responsibility to pray. He said, many do not see it. Many don't realize we have a responsibility to pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our local government and the things that happen and don't happen. In our cities, in our towns, in our regions, we have a responsibility. I think there may be a number of things when we get to the judgment seat of Christ that the Lord looks at us and looks at pastors and looks at churches and go, why did you let that happen in your town? Why did you let that go on in your state? Why did you allow that in your country? And people will think, what do you mean? It wasn't up to me. It's more up to us than we think. We can change things. Did you hear me? We have a responsibility. So, uh, you know, that's what we do on Wednesday nights. And I know a lot of you drive long distances, and I appreciate that. But anybody that can, and as the Lord leads you, uh, be here and let's pray. Let's do our duty. Amen. How many that every service is not just about you receiving and being built up? (laughs) There are times about us doing our duty. And I think many, many Christians have no sense of duty. They think... Church and Christianity is about them being blessed, and that's it. We have a duty. We have duties. We have responsibilities to use our faith, to use the authority in the name of Jesus, to come and use our privilege of prayer to change things in the earth. Can you say amen? Amen. Glory be to God. Thank you, Master. Let's just praise him just a minute. Just lift up your heart. Tell him that you appreciate prayer. Privilege of prayer. Lord, thank you for the ability to commune with you. Thank you for the privilege. 
Oh, thank you for hearing us. Thank you for answering us. Thank you for receiving us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Please go to the book of John now. Let me see how to finish this. I said to you, we asked the question, why pray? We made the statement, millions of Christians do not pray or barely pray. Why is this? We said a lot of people are not fully persuaded that God exists. So that's why they don't pray. And a lot of people are not fully persuaded that God is good and he hears and responds. He's a rewarder. They feel like they've prayed in the past and it did no good. So why keep doing it? Not realizing that they prayed amiss, didn't know how to pray. And so that's why they don't. But then also this big area, many do not pray because they don't see the necessity of it. They feel like, you know, this is what they're used to. They're using their understanding to make decisions and they use their eyes and their ears and they feel like, well, I can handle what comes up and they've been handling it, but they don't realize what a low level of life they're living could have divine direction, could stop missing it and making all these mistakes and start being right again and again and again. But if Jesus found it necessary to pray like this and have this kind of life and spend this kind of time, and I said, well, Brother Keith, I, I'm busy. I know what you mean. <laughs> Brother Keith, I don't have time for all this. That's not true. I made the mistake one time of telling the Lord something like that. <laughs> Many years ago, the Lord dealt with me to do certain things. And I thought, Lord, when? <laughs> when am I going to do that? I'm busy. You might as well say it if you got it in your heart and your mind. He already knows it, you know. And he said, listen, son, if you're too busy to do things I direct you to do, you are wasting time. I thought, huh? And I began to meditate on that. Of course, it's true. It's such a fact. When you get busy and you think, well, I don't have time. There's people not here in church today because they think they're too busy. My life's too busy. I got too much in my business going on. I got too much this, too much that. I'm too busy. Too busy. Why are you too busy to do what the Lord directs you to do? Because you're wasting time on stuff he didn't tell you to do. Wasting time on all kind of other things that you've fabricated and allowed to encroach into your life. No. You know, Dr. Martin Luther said this many years ago, you know, one the Lord used, great reformation, uh, bring the revelation to the church that uh, we don't live by works, it's by faith. He said this, I thought it was excellent, I wrote it down. I believe it was him, I think I'm remembering correctly. He said, uh, I have so much to do today, I think I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. This is a man who had some understanding. The more you have to do, the more important it is that you hear from God. That you don't just rush out and start doing stuff. That you get the plan. That you get the direction. Which requires you spending extra time with Him to get all that you require. If Jesus found it necessary, certainly for us, it is necessary. I have so much to do today. I think I should spend the first three hours in prayer. 
There's been times in my life that I've seen that work just that way with me. I'm thinking back when I was still in school. I had a friend of mine wanted me to come do something with him on his car. And another individual wanted me to do help him with something for his ministry. And another person wanted me to call them. And another person wanted me to answer a question for them. And I was going to just pray real quick and run out the door. And I started to pray and the Lord dealt with me to just stay with him a while. I thought, I've got all this stuff to do today. But I really felt I should stay and pray more. So I just stayed and communed with the Lord. And every time I'd get ready to go, I just wasn't released. I stayed there 30 minutes. I stayed there an hour. And I stayed there too. And I'm thinking, man, the day is, what am I doing? But I just didn't feel released. And finally, it's getting close to noon. And I come out, and I thought, well, praise God. So I, And I begin to get a call. This had already been taken care of. That had already been taken care of. This brother said, oh, no need for you to come. Turned out it wasn't a problem at all. This other thing is going to work to take care of this. And I realized I didn't have anywhere to go. <laughs> so I just sat back down and said, well, praise God. Enjoy a quiet afternoon at home. Friends, so much that people do, they're rushing and running and working, is effort in the flesh that is a total waste. And it's the result of not hearing from the Lord. It's a result of not being led. It's a result of not taking time to talk to Him about it. In uh, John 5, John 5 and verse 19. These are the words of the master. The Bible said the disciple and the servant is not above his master. John 5, 19. Then answered Jesus and said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Jesus said that he of himself could do what? As he walked the earth, what could he do as Jesus? People don't like to even say that, but I, we're repeating what he said. Right? What could he do just as himself, as being Jesus? What did he say? But what did he do? Marvelous things came out of him. Marvelous things came through him. How did they come? From the Father. He said, whatever he sees the Father do. Right? Whatever things he sees the Father do, that's what he does. Well, how did he see the Father do it? And when did he see the Father do it? As he communed with him. As he talked with him. As he walked with him. As he prayed. Skip down to verse 30. Verse 30, Jesus said, I, uh, he repeated it, I can of my own self do how much? Who's talking? If it's true of him, is it true of us? Certainly, certainly. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own, 
but the will of the Father which has sent me. Skip down to chapter 8. 8, 28. 8, 28. Then said Jesus to them, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you shall know that I am... And that I do nothing of myself. But as my father has taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. Jesus never took credit for one message he ever preached. Or for one sermon he ever taught. He never took credit for one miracle or one healing or one deliverance or one sign that ever happened through him. Did he? Did he? He said, my doctrine is not mine, but it's his that sent me. He said, I only say what I hear and I only do what I see. And it's not me, but it's the father in me. He's doing the works. And these words are not mine. They're his. I heard them and I'm giving them to you. Where did he hear them? When did he hear them? When did he see it? When did he get it? That's why he found it necessary to commune with the Father on a regular basis. Sometime hours at a time. Sometime all night long. But all the time even walking down the road. Communing with him. That's how you fulfill the scripture. Pray without ceasing. Doesn't mean that every time you take a breath, you're speaking a verbal prayer out loud, but you got your mind on Him, you're aware of Him, you know He's in you, you're communing with Him, and as you do this, you'll see things. Don't mean you'll just fall into a trance or have an open vision all the time, but you'll see things inside yourself. You'll know things. You'll know what to say and what to do. You'll see yourself doing things, but it's not really you, it's Him doing it through you. And you'll act it out, and you'll walk it out, and you'll speak it out, and He will confirm His words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And bring things to pass. We'll live the same kind of life that Jesus lived. See, the same kind of results, because He said, if you believe on me, the works I do, you will do also. And greater works than these shall you do, because I'm going to the Father. That great life He walked and lived is available to you and me. But it will not happen apart from the prayer life he had. Did you hear me? If we want to have the ministry like he had, we've got to have the personal life like he had. The communion like he had because the ministry was the outflow of the personal communion. Can you say amen? Amen. Do I have any prayers in here? Huh? Have any people that enjoy spending time with the Lord? Don't mind communing with him. Don't find it a labor. Don't find it a job. You learn how to spend time. I mean, if you've never prayed all night long, you ought to try it sometime. Right? You can start out by 30 minutes, though. Right? If you've never done 30 minutes, well, just wait on the Lord for 30. You don't have to be screaming at the top of your lungs all the time. Just have your mind only on Him. Get quiet. Talk to Him and listen. And expand and develop. And friend, he's faithful. He'll reveal things to you. He'll show you things. You'll begin to walk on a higher level like the master. You'll begin to walk as he walked. Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church.
If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.